Hello and welcome back to the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe, the editor of the magazine and your host for this episode. This week, to celebrate possibly the best day ever, National Burger Day, web editor Alex visited Mini Burger Pop-Up, Bite Me Burger. Listen to her chatting to chef Adam Rawson about his foodie travels around the globe and clever slider recipes. Plus, Adam takes our burger quiz. Burger King and McDonald's, anyone? Sub-editor Hannah shares her top tips on infusing spirits at home with digital intern Amanda. Plus, the cookery team are back discussing their favourite ways to use pepper, sweet and savoury, and some of the great pepper recipes in our new September issue, including a game-changing black pepper and chocolate gelato. First up, here's Alex taking a breath from stuffing her face with burgers. It's Alex here, and I'm at Bite Me Burger, which is a mini burger pop-up in Hoban. And I'm here with Adam Rawson. So Adam, I'm sure lots of you will know all about him, but he started cooking when he was just 15. And after living in France for 10 years, he returned to London to work for some of the capital's hottest chefs and bagged himself the title of Young British Foodie Chef of the Year in 2015. And since then, Adam has been travelling to different countries all over the world to try the real regional cuisine of each place and bring back a taster to serving casual pop-ups across London. So, hello, Adam. Hello. Um, I've been lucky enough to attend two of your pop-ups, the Basque Country one and the Japanese Sakura Supper at Borough Wines. Um, Can you remind us which other regions you've covered? Yeah, well, funnily enough, you did the first one and the last one. Oh, okay, Uh, great round trip. Yeah. (laughs) I did, uh, I think I did about 10 or 11 different uh, countries, well, regions in countries. So I did three parts in Spain, so Catalonia, sorry, two parts in Spain, Catalonia and Basque Country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three parts of Italy, so Tuscany, Piemonte, Sardinia. Wow, okay. Uh, Then I did Morocco, Croatia, which was amazing. I would highly recommend going to Croatia. Um... Portugal, uh, Hungary. Wow, okay. Um, and I spent more than a month in uh, Japan this year. Wow, yeah. But there's a few more, I think, I'm, you know, there's quite a few to remember. So. Yeah, well, yeah, you're a very lucky man. So, yeah. um, difficult question, which was your favourite cuisine to explore, do you think? Uh, Japanese was definitely number one, but then Croatia. Okay, sure. yeah, yeah, so yeah. can you tell us a bit about Croatia and what, why you chose to go there? Because it's quite specific and it's not really known for its food in England I don't think yeah not at all I mean not quite yet but then again it's quite Italian uh, I would say because it used to be dominated by Italians back, uh, back in the 90s okay uh, but it's all got some Hungarian um, touch some Austrian touch as well because they were dominated by them as well but still got some Yugoslavian feel to it as well so it depends really where you go yeah I, I love the northern part in Istria okay um, it's a big truffle area so they have lots of truffles there but also a very Italian influence so the vegetables are super fresh Amazing. the fish there is from the uh, Adriatic Sea Okay. So it's really sweet and it's just really amazing. So I went there mainly because um, I started looking on Skyscanner for the cheapest tickets. Okay. So <laughs> I would just start off by finding cheap tickets to go somewhere. Yeah. And then I would look at um, the food scene in that area. But obviously I, I kind of knew about the regions before I went. So uh, yeah. I kind of set, I had my heart set on each region. Okay. But... Um, yeah, Croatia was actually sponsored by the Croatian tourist office, which oh, was amazing. Fab. Okay, because they so they're pointing they t- in the right direction, you know. Yeah, and what was what were some re- really regional dishes that you tried there and brought back? Um, a pasta called fusi, which is okay. like a rolled pasta. 
Um, lots of truffle, wild asparagus. Amazing. Uh, what else did I have there? Uh, the olive oil is the best okay. I've ever had. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're top Rivaling 10. Italy and Greece and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite similar, but the, the top 10 of the... Um, sorry, 10% of the best olive oils come from Croatia. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't know that. Fab. Yeah, so it's, it's an amazing place. Okay, and what about Japan? Obviously, I can imagine that's very different to Croatia. Yeah, um, I mean, Japan's a different world. Um, yeah, I'd love to go. Yeah, you inspired I mean, me after your Sakura pop up. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. I mean, the, the thing is, uh, the best thing that I did in, in Japan was to get out of Tokyo. I, mean, I spent three days there okay. because you know it's a big city, so you get all, a lot of good food. But the best food is in the smaller, smaller parts of Japan. I mean, Osaka is amazing for street food and the takoyakis and the okonomiyaki. What's takoyaki? It's the fried octopus balls. Oh, deep and fried. No, they kind of got like these, um, these pans with holes in them. Okay. And they put a batter and then the um, spring onions, uh, octopus, and then they kind of flip them into balls. Oh, wow. And then on top, you've got like some uh, barbecue sauce, like a tapenyaki sauce. Uh, mayonnaise, spring onions, and katsubushi, which What's looks katsubushi? like it's a uh, flaked tuna. Oh, so dried and smoked. Amazing. And, uh, and then you shave it on top. Fab. So that was amazing. And yeah. we also do okonomiyaki, which is that fried uh, omelette. Yes. Yeah. That's um, just like filled with all sorts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and wh where else did you go in Japan? Well, the biggest foodie city was um, Fukuoka. Sorry? Fu uh, Fukuoka. Fukuoka, okay. Uh, which is on the southern highland in Kyushu. And that's the food town of Japan. Okay. And it's where the ramen came from. So ah. the ramen out there is amazing. It's super cheap. You kind of walk up to a vending machine, you, you buy what you want, and then you give your card to the, to the chef, and then it gives you your ramen. Amazing. And it's super cheap. I think it's like three or four quid, and you can be... You know, it's like fast food out there. Really. So, do the, I, and I think they have lots of... I was watching a, something on Chef's Table recently and ramen just seems to be so versatile in terms of um, every every ramen shop and every region has its own take on it. Like, did you have one yeah, that was absolutely. your favourite? I mean, every region has its own variety. So, um, in Kyoto, it'll be more of a dashi base. Okay. Uh, Tokyo will be more of a soy base. Right. In uh, Hokkaido, which is the northern part, will be miso based. But in Fukuoka, it's the pork bone uh, tonkatsu. Oh, which and is it, does really it have creamy. to be like cooked for 24 hours for it to be like yeah, proper ramen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they cook it for a very long time. Okay. Um, but yeah, I found the, 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 the diversity in Japan was amazing everywhere you go. But I found the best places to eat was izakaya, which oh, is yes. the kind of Japanese pub. Yeah. And really, that's who the creative, creativity of the chef really comes out there because there's really no boundaries of what they can do. And that's what I found the most interesting. Amazing. Did yeah. you go to anywhere in particular that you can recommend, or was, were you just taken around? I was taken around, luckily enough, by, uh, by a friend of mine who invited me there to work. So I was quite lucky, but I can't remember any name of any restaurant. Okay. Because it's all in Japanese and yeah. Japanese writing, so... I have heard um, that you have to kind of go with a local insight, because otherwise you're just not going to get those really, really, really local spots. Absolutely, but, but that's, that goes without saying all around the world. If you go down the tourist spots, you'll go to a tourist restaurant and you'll pay a lot of money for something not as good quality. Yeah. Uh, so you'll need to go down the, the side streets and find um, kind of doors that open sideways and yeah. kind of just go in and you know follow the smells, really. Amazing, yeah. Uh, that's, that sounds like follow the smell. That's, that's a good way to travel, I think. Um, so, but what I love about your pop-ups, as, um, as we've discussed a little bit, is that how you use inspiration from your travels, you know, to give classic dishes a bit of a twist. Um, 
For example, I hear you won the 2016 Slider Decider, which is a very it's a great title to have. And 15. Two years in a row. Oh, two years in a row. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I've been asked to be the third me. year, but... Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you can win the third year in a row, but we'll see. Well, when is that? <laughs> uh, in September. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see. Watch the space. Um, and I know you did a, a Basque beef burger with truffle aioli, balsamic onions, pancetta and gorgonzola. Yeah. Uh, that sounds amazing. So you, did you take inspiration from your travels? And Yeah, well, that was called the, the Global Traveller. Okay. And that was kind of... Uh, so the uh, gorgonzola was from uh, Sardinia, which when I visited... Uh, the uh, balsamic onions and the truffle was from Croatia, and we've got the Basque beef. So it's kind of a, a bit of a blend. Oh, fab! From... So it really was uh, just yeah, um, yeah, like all of your travels in one burger. Yeah, well, not yeah. all of them because obviously you can't put too oh, much in a Japanese, burger. But yeah. there's three different countries in there. Yeah, amazing. But all, all of the burgers I've uh, done, I've got a little something from somewhere in it. Okay. I guess. So yeah, going on to um, your burger venture. So you've now gone into sliders full time with this new pop-up, Bite Me Burger. Um, so it started off as, starting off as a pop-up in Hoburn, which is where we are now, and then I know you're opening up some across the capital and you're doing a lot of delivery as well. Uh, can you tell us a bit about what made you get into the burger industry? <laughs> Funny enough, it was, well, the burger industry started when I was, I was working at Viajante with Nuno, and then I worked... Nuno Mendes, Nuno that Mendes. is, for everyone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, was, I did the night market in Dalston a few years ago. Okay. Um, and Lucky Chip were working next to me. And I tried one of their burgers, and it was just the be- one of the best things I've ever had in my life. So then I actually worked for Lucky Chip for a year and a half okay. as the head chef. Amazing. So that's kind of where the burger started. But, and then I, I suppose the Slider and Cider uh, competition kind of got me some yeah. press around it. Yeah, and so got a name for yourself as yeah, the, a little the bit. burger man. Um, so the burger world is like constantly evolving. At the moment, there's like so many big hitters coming over from America, like Five Guys and Shake Shack, and also a lot more boutique burger businesses opening, like Blicker Street, uh, Lucky Chip, as you've said, Honest Burger and Patty and Bun. Like, where, where do you see this like burger bubble heading next? Because is it going to burst? Like, because I know some chains are like closing as well. So, what do you think is the next for burgers? Yeah, I think the the good thing about London is that the quality of the food is getting better every year. Mm-hmm. So people are getting more picky, which is a good thing. So I think a lot of the burger chains now they're they're upping the quality. Okay. Uh, but obviously, all the ones that have been here for a while, they probably end up closing. Yeah. But I think, in a way, the, the burger fashion will never go out of fashion because people love burgers. Yes, they do. Um, I think it's become a lot more about provenance now. I know there's, like, British meat and, like... Because there's so many amazing beef farmers in um, in the UK. So I think they're using a lot of British beef as Yeah, well. absolutely. Apart from we're not. We're using um, um, Galician, ex-dairy Oh, cow. well, that's, that's So fantastic. it's an amazing quality of beef. Yeah. Uh, the cow has had a life, which is yeah. great. I mean, it's had a four-year dairy cycle retire for four more years at least so the cows are 80 years old and in the UK they're normally sort of when they're two so it's four times older wow. than a normal cow okay. so it's, it's a great story and it's an amazing quality beef okay amazing so well Olive we love a twist on a burger so we have a burger recipe collection on olivemagazine.com and it's actually got a Brazil grill burger I don't know if you've seen it in it. And it's got a tower of beef, streaky bacon, chimichurri relish, avocado mayo, pickle pick onions, and like cumin, spiced onion rings, and all sorts. Nice. So we have a lots of fun, you know, like creating different burgers. And I can imagine you've had a really good time creating this menu, a bite me burger. Do you have anything in particular that you're particularly proud of? 
Um, I think, well, the, the whole idea was to create um, nine burgers that were quite different, but okay. also that worked quite well together because they're available in twos, four, six, uh, twelve. So, I don't know, it's really hard to say. Um, I really like the beef encounter because it's my take on a Big Mac. Okay. So, it's a homemade Big Mac sauce, which is kind of Big Mac sauce on, on steroids. Um, Bloody Mary is really good as well. It's kind of like a spicy ketchup with all the Bloody Mary flavors. Okay. It's got some celery and some onions in there. So it's got that real Bloody Mary feel to it. Um, Hawaiian's also really good. It's got kind of the Hawaiian pizza feel to it. Okay. I'm um, sure some people will, will, yeah, whenever I order a Hawaiian pizza, people grimace at me. yeah it's like one and two <laughs> like it yeah um, hard to say I, I think the beef encounter okay because I've done quite a good job at replicating the Big Mac sauce but Ooh. making it better alright <laughs> I'll have to try that right okay so as you're finding it difficult to choose I've got a bit of a challenge for you I'm going to put you on the spot with some quick fire burger questions yep so we can find out your true preferences okay just to end on it's a bit of fun so are you ready yeah you've got to answer really quickly and you can't think okay okay so McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. Five Guys or Shake Shack? Shake Shack. Patty and Bun or Honest Burger? Patty and Bun. Lucky Chip or Bleecker Street? Lucky Chip, but I Obviously. like Bleecker Street. Okay. I really like them. But you really did like work them. for uh, Lucky, Lucky Chip. Chip so, yeah. yeah. Uh, gherkin or no gherkin? Gherkin. Beef or lamb? Beef. Ketchup or mayo? Ooh, Ooh. ketchup. <laughs> Chicken or veggie? No, sorry, mayo. Mayo. Okay, back. Oh, okay. Sorry, chicken or veggie, chicken. Cheddar or blue? Blue. Monterey Jack or Gouda? Or Gouda. Gouda, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> salad or no salad? Salad. Bacon or onion ring? Bacon. Rosemary salt fries or sweet potato fries? Rosemary salt, but my girlfriend would call me. <laughs> okay. And from your menu, duck me or pluck me? Duck me. Oh, pl- oh! Tough one. You said duck they're, me they're, first. I, I said duck me first, but they're both really good. <laughs> Right, okay, well, so, um, yeah, I've just found out that you do a box of a dozen mini burgers to take away. So is that all of the different burgers together? And then you yeah, choose... just pick and choose whatever you like. Okay, so I think I might have to see what all the fuss is about. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for chatting to us and getting involved with the burger challenge. No, that's my pleasure. <laughs> and, yeah, if anybody wants to pop down to Bite Me Burger, they're in Hoban on Kingsway, and also they'll be popping up in a lot of more locations over London. So, yeah, check them out. Thank you. Next, here's Hannah and Amanda to inspire us to go foraging this weekend and to get boozy. Hello, I'm here with Hannah and we're going to talk to you about infusing spirits at home. Hannah before has done a few infusing spirits, so she's going to talk me through best ways, um, the best types of spirits to use and a few other tips for you. So, Hannah, is infusing easy? Is it an easy process? Like, um, Yes, it's really easy. It's probably um, one of the easiest kind of home DIY projects you'll do when it comes yeah. to um, stuff in the kitchen. So, I mean, like, spirits-wise, like, what kind of spirits would you go ahead and recommend to use? What would you use? Um, well, so infusing is pretty much just um, taking something like fruit or spices or herbs... Um, and steeping them in a spirit um, right. for long enough so that the spirit takes on the flavour of, of whatever you put in it. So a uh, classic example is slow gin. Yeah. Where you steep the slows in some gin with a bit of sugar, leave it for a few months, and then you get a really lovely um, sort of sweet, um, fruity like liqueur. Warming, yeah. yeah. Lovely. Yeah, um, so nice. And obviously it's a, it's a really good way to use up 
cheap spirits and it's um, great for like cocktails or to make, particularly now, if you start making something now, it's good for like a Christmas gift. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you're just starting out, um, the best thing to do is, is to pick, um, I'd stick with a, with a white spirit. Um, yeah. Something like vodka is great because it's very neutral in taste. Neutral, yeah, that's right. So it'll take uh, on most flavours and it handles kind of quite big flavours as well. So you can kind of experiment. Um, gin is also a good one. Gin is really good for pairing with um, lots of different autumn fruits. Yeah, okay, nice. Like blackberries or something. Blackberries, sloes, elderberries, plums, plum gin is lovely. Nice, mm. yeah. And does the uh, spirit itself have to be of a quality or can it just be like a basic kind of? Um, I mean, some people might disagree with me here. Some people say you should use the best spirit possible. And yep. yes, I mean, if you can afford um, then something maybe quite nice, yep. then, then it's good. But I mean, I've used quite, quite cheap brands yeah. before. And the thing is, is that particularly if you're putting sugar in whatever, whatever yeah. you're infusing, like slow gin, um, it tends to mask the, any kind of... <laughs> the cheaper Yeah, it masks the spirit. cheapness of the gin <laughs> yeah. or the vodka that you're using. Yeah. Um, I've not found that it really makes a huge difference. And also, um, particularly with something, say, like um, gin, like, you know, really nice brands of gin will have, like, a very delicate yeah. um, sort of balance of botanicals and flavourings. Yeah. Or something like whiskey, for example, a really nice whiskey will, again, have very very distinct flavours um, so you don't it'd be a bit of a shame to suddenly like if you were gonna buy something more expensive and then it kind of takes away from its actual actual flavour so yeah. it'd be a shame if you spent you know £45 on a yeah, bottle of exactly. gin and then you just shoved a load of sugar makes sense and some like rhubarb in it or some, so um, maybe don't go and buy like Sainsbury's basic vodka that might be a bit too like white spirit but you could go for like an absolute or something um, yeah, I'm, I'll admit I have used basics. <laughs> I mean, I have. We've all basics gin does um, the job. <laughs> it is. Um, it is quite. I think I started doing it because I found sort of leftover from um, uh, house parties yeah. and gatherings in my youth. Um, accumulation always, of spirits. Yeah, what should I do with these? Yeah, there's always a, an accumulation of sort of half bottles of various spirits or, you know, yeah. empty half bottles of vodka or something Make that some you, don't, concoction. you don't really want to drink, no, but yeah, like, yeah. You, you don't want to waste. It's, so they're, yeah. quite, they're quite a good way of kind of using them up and making Definitely. them drinkable again. Yeah, nice. And so when it comes to, like, infusing your spirit, what is there a lot of equipment that you need to buy or is it quite easy? Um, it? No, so you, you don't really need a lot of equipment. It's, it's pretty easy. Um, so all you need, apart from your spirits and whatever ingredient you're using, um, you just need kind of a very big kilner or screw-top jar. Right. Um, and that's where you put spirit yeah. and the fruits in. But even if you don't have that, like I've just used the bottle that the spirit comes yeah, in. yeah you need some sugar if you're using that um depending how sweet or anything you might want it yeah, yeah. so um i mean the process is really simple but say if you're making slow gin so you'll yep. put the slow berries in with the gin in a jar yeah um put a little bit of sugar in but don't put too much um seal it tightly give it a big shake put it somewhere cool and dark and um, let it do its thing for say at least six weeks to a couple of months let yep. it do its thing um give it a shake every other day to make sure kind of and maybe would you like give it a little t uh, taste to see if you need a bit more sugar yeah, in there or definitely i would taste it to see how it's going um and then when you when you're happy with the result um you can strain it all through a piece of muslin or some right. cheesecloth just to yeah. get rid of all the kind of sediment any kind of little you know bits, bits and, of fruit yeah, or something um seal it in a sterilised um, well actually before you seal it um, if you want that's the point if you if you feel like it wants a bit more sugar yeah um, that's the point where you can add a little bit of sugar more, yeah. 
um, usually the best thing is to maybe make it like a sugar syrup. Oh, yeah. Because um, if you put it's in just easy. straight sugar, you have yeah. to wait for it to d- dissolve. Yeah. Um, then once you're happy with the results, just um, seal it in a sterilised bottle and... Perfect. Got it. I mean, don't be trying it at, like, when you're t- tasting it before you go to work in the morning. That might be a bit of a shock, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> when you get home. Um, and then, so, you said that, that when you leave it to infuse for six, uh, four to six weeks, but does that, like, vary with depending on what fruits that you use or if you're going yeah. for more of a fuller te- um, taste or, I'm guessing, yeah. a chilli? It varies, yeah. I mean, it varies on how strong you want the taste to be. Yeah. Um, with things like... Um, with things like kind of berries, like all the berries that are coming around about now, like blackberries and elderberries yeah. and whatnot, um, I would give it at least, I personally would give it at least six weeks to two months. But um, with things like that, you can leave it for as long as you want. Yeah. Um, you can leave, well, I've heard of bottles of slow gin being left for years and years. Yeah. Um, basically, the longer it's left in, the better, better, better it'll get. Um, other things like kind of larger, softer fruits like pears, apples, I'd probably say just a few weeks. Right. Um, anywhere from a few days to a few weeks, depending on what it is. Um, the same things like spices, probably just a few days, um, yeah. as well as herbs. Um, it depends. It really depends on the ingredient. But that's why you need to make sure you're tasting regularly. Um, so something like chilli, for example. Yeah. Like you can make a chilli vodka, but... <laughs> Don't put that in for more than a few hours because it will just be... <laughs> that will blow your head yeah, off. Yeah, it will Yeah, it will blow your head off. <laughs> um, lovely. So what um, what ingredients can you use, Hannah? Um, well, infusing? right now, there's lots of um, autumn berries out at the moment that you can pick in hedgerows and parks and in the countryside. Yeah. Um, one of the things which everyone else is picking is blackberries um, and they're in season right now and they're very good with vodka but nice. also with whiskey because um, I think the spiciness Ooh, yeah. of them kind of really marries yeah, well definitely. with it. There's also obviously slows um, to make for slow gin, which we've, which we've already covered. Yeah, um, exactly. Something which, another berry which um, people don't always think of um, are rose hips. Um, oh. So rose hip, hips are the fruit of the wild rose. And you can find them from... You can forage these yourself. You can forage these yourself, yeah. Oh. Um, you can find them from September to November um, and you'll notice them because they're like a bright orangey red. Um, they're pretty common. Um, you'll see them in right. most, you know, kind of most hedgerows. And what kind of flavours do they um, So they're really interesting. So they have a really, um, if you make them into a cordial, you infuse them in some spirits, right, they have yeah. a really um, delicate, like almost kind of tropical um, citrusy flavour. Um, they've also got loads of vitamin C in them, so... Um, <laughs> it's a healthy vodka It could be a healthy vodka <laughs> if such a thing exists. Um, nice. The only thing with them to remember is they can be a bit tricky to prepare because um make sure when you, if you do chop them up right make sure you take out the seeds because the seeds are covered in these little hairs which are like irritants um oh. so um, back in the day they used to make they used to use these hairs to make like itching powder oh no you know, one wants to that find in their in, like, vodka, shops do they no no um but it's really easy to deal with um, all okay. you have to do is make sure you just strain everything out yeah if you are worried about it, um, you can also just top and tail the rose hips and just pop them in a hole to infuse. They'll just take a little bit longer. Right, um, okay. To get going. Um, but it should be safe, I suppose. Two other really lovely um, fruits that will be in season in autumn are um, pears and quinces. Right. Um, so a really lovely um, uh, recipe you can make where you make for a really lovely sort of warming um, liqueur that's really nice to drink in autumn and winter right, yeah. is a spiced pear vodka. Ooh. So just chop up some pears um, and mix them in, in the vodka with some um, fresh ginger, cinnamon and cloves. Ooh, leave nice. it in for a couple of weeks and it makes for a really lovely... That sounds um, really warming. ...warming cocktail, particularly if you 
um, mix it with uh, ginger beer or ginger oh. ale for kind of like a spin on a kind yeah. of uh, Moscow mule. I think sounds lovely. That's, yeah, that's that sounds cocktail. really kind of autumnal. Yes, um, it's lovely. And what about if you don't have any of these sort of seasonal fruits or anything or spices to hand? Is there any other sort of um, store cup cupboard things you could use or from, buy from the shops? Maybe. Um, yeah, there's lots of things you can experiment with. Um, you know, there's things like. Um, spices like um, cardamom or cloves yeah. or cinnamon. Um, Love cardamom. Something that I really like doing is infusing um, things like loose leaf teas. Oh, in yes, gins. that's they, such a good they idea. Make, they make a really good match. Um, so try putting some loose leaf Earl Grey tea right. into some gin and letting it steep for a couple of hours. Um, not much longer than that because otherwise the flavour will be quite strong. Um, and just make sure you just... Um, filter everything yeah. out through a muslin nice. cloth just so you don't have any tea leaves left afterwards no. but that's that makes for a really nice um, gin and tonic right um, and my probably my favourite thing um, just because it's so easy and it makes for such a nice result is um, kaffir lime leaf gin Ooh. so kaffir lime leaves are um, these really aromatic little leaves yeah. that you use in Thai curries yeah. And, um, you can pick these up in shops quite easily. Yeah, you can pick them in most large supermarkets. And I think um, you can sometimes buy them frozen, like fresh but frozen in oh, Asian yes, supermarkets. Oh, yes, I have seen that, yeah. So all you do is pretty much just tear up a few leaves, yeah. um, put them in the gin, leave them for about seven days, and it makes for a really nice aromatic oh, gin. Oh, yeah. That, makes, that, that also I makes think very that nice would gin be, Yeah, I think that would be probably one of my faves. Mm. I love kaffir lime. <laughs> um, oh, great. Well, I feel like I've learned a lot today, Hannah. Thank Good. you. Good. I think people will be getting that for their Christmas presents this year. Yeah. Um, but if you give it a go at home, guys, be sure to tweet us a picture or Instagram us a picture of all your creations that you make. Thank you. Great. Thanks. And last but never least, here's food director Janine and cookery writer Adam talking all things pepper. So we've got a really brilliant feature in our September issue, which is all about using pepper in sweet and savoury recipes. So mm -hmm. I'm here today with Adam, our Hello. writer. Hi, Adam. Hello, Janine. To talk about our, our love of pepper, yeah. <laughs> how much we use it, we what we pepper. use it for, <laughs> um, and talk about some of the recipes in the issue. Um, I'm going to start with, with um, one of mine, which is apparently was the, trend, the trendiest recipe of 2016, according to um, the New York Times, which is a uh, Caccio e Pepe. Sorry yeah. about the pronunciation, Italians. No, no, I think that was um, pretty spot. <laughs> and it is, in its most basic and purest form, is just um, pasta with uh, pecorino and black pepper. Yeah, and that's, that's it. it. That's yeah. it. You just use a little bit of the water, the cooking water, that starchy water, yeah. to emulsify, melt the cheese, and bring it all together as a sauce. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I mean, but yeah. so immensely pleasurable, it's not even... Yeah. True. I mean, it's the ultimate store cupboard recipe, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. everyone's got a dodgy little wedge of, you can use Parmesan. I've yeah, always yeah. got a little little lump of Parmesan sort of mouldering in the back of the fridge. Yeah, I think everyone Cut does. Cut the mouldy bits off, yeah, grate yeah. it, away you go. You're fine. <laughs> but um, what I do, actually, is, obviously, obviously I'm not just going to do the purest version. No. I'm going to, like, jazz it up a bit. What I like to do is um, just, like, bash a little clove of garlic don't don't chop it up and then heat a couple of tablespoons of olive oil and just kind of stew the garlic in the oil yeah like that, so, you know that sort of thing where you tip the pan it's yeah. a bit Jamie I know but you sort of tip the pan and run the oil into a corner and then you sort of like almost shallow fry yeah. the garlic really so gently just, yeah you're just giving it a really because I'm quite into the idea of just subtly flavouring it you don't get this massive whack of garlic you just get a nice little kind of you know um, it's essence. just that back note yeah, isn't it exactly and then you you basically make um, you boil your spaghetti 
drain it, toss it into the pan, scoop out your um, garlic, and then throw a huge handful of pepper and um, grated parmesan or pecorino and, mm-hmm. and just toss it all together. And it's magic. I mean, yeah. it is magic because it, it does work. And uh, for me, it has to be like fresh, cracked black pepper. Yeah. If it's that dust that looks like, you, you know, like dust. an old ashtray yeah, 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 from a yeah, 1960s pub, yeah. then yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be... Same yeah. with parmesan, but it should be freshly grated or freshly yeah. cracked black pepper because it's got <laughs> all the oils and flavours yeah. and freshness. Yeah, it just won't be the same otherwise. Don't really use mouldy parmesan. I was just no. joking. No. <laughs> I mean, it does survive quite well. It does. Um, and, you know, when it, even when it looks a touch dry, once it's grated and melted down, yeah. it's fine. But talking about black pepper, because that's one of the things that, that you know, it, everyone's got in their cupboard. Mm. Um, another another favourite, which everybody knows, is just, just like a, a peppercorn steak. So yeah, just, absolutely. Just giving it that crust. Yeah, and what, yeah. I, what I think is really nice about black pepper is, when you cook it, it really does lose a lot of its power. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. So you can properly coat a steak in black, you know, oil it, yeah. season it with salt, mm-hmm. roll it in black pepper, and then when you fry it and sear it, it yeah, the pepper not. kind of loses its its sort of welly, basically. Yeah. It's the same as, um, in a, like, if you see, like, in stews and yeah. things like that, it might be... Uh, so I think you might be a bit taken aback if it's like, I'll oh, just add like a teaspoon of whole black peppercorns. Because yeah. when they're really slow cooked, they sort of go, you know, obviously they're dry, so they yeah. just rehydrate and they get soft again. And, and they sort get of quite mild. Yeah. quite mild, yeah. So you kind of get these just little bursts of, of yeah. not like intense heat, but it's more like, well, that was yeah. a big bit of black pepper. Because I nice. think you can, you know, there's a, there's a tendency to get a bit scared about, oh, I'm putting too much pepper in. Like one of the, one of the recipes in the feature we've got um, is a black pepper chicken curry. Mm. And actually... I came across this years ago. Um, uh, Atul Kachur was was doing a black. He called it black pepper chicken curry, um, and and I was amazed at how much went in. And I was thinking that's that's mad using pepper as a spice. But when you think about it, it is a spice. So, but actually I mean, in the curry, it makes perfect sense. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean because because it's on every table in the land, you don't really consider it a spice. It's yeah, just like a it's seasoning. Just a it's just like you, just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you just. Yeah throw it on with abandon or anything yeah. but actually when you utilize it and use it as a spice like that yeah i mean it, that that chicken curry is one of those curries i've ever eaten it's, yeah, it's stunning. so good it's, it's so really good. really good i mean it's got like a big whack of flavor but i think that's what i want from a curry i yeah, want, I want, want all my to, taste buds to start dancing around and, you know, yeah. yeah you can you can keep your passando or your corn i want that i, <laughs> I, quite, want that. I do quite like a passando <laughs> every now and again wow well, you know every now and again there's a time and a place and that's usually when i'm deeply deeply hung over <laughs> when does that ever happen no and I could um, never very tell very me, rare. tell me about your heroes your your pepper um, I don't you know I, the you have more like actual recipes yeah. where but I sort of have more memories of black pepper okay Firstly, is on baked beans. Sorry, Laura, if you're listening. Of course, you're listening. I uh, really doesn't like baked yeah, beans. Yeah, I just got a fear of. For them. me, if you if you're making baked beans with a fry up for beans on toast, it has yeah. to have an unhealthy, well, not unhealthy, but like a can, large amount of cracked that. black yeah. pepper. So it's like you know, like big nuggets. So you get bits, spicy bits, and <laughs> yeah, and uh, also on white rice. So I don't know whether it's That's association an unusual with one. yeah. So if. I was having like a, my mum used to make beef stroganoff quite a lot for like a midweek tea. And uh, yeah, just loads and loads of black pepper on rice. And if I was having like any sort of Chinese or not, yeah, not so much Indian, but Chinese, I'd have loads of black pepper so on my like rice. So it's like comfort childhood yeah. kind of thing yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. Talking of, let's let's talk about white pepper because one of my childhood memories is my grandma making... Um, mashed um well you call it in the south you call it swede where you called it turnip but it's swede turnip the big thing and in um, scotland they would call that a neep yeah, i think a neep yeah. yeah so turnip neep yeah. so mashed 
turnip and carrot with loads and loads and loads of butter in yeah, yeah. and then, and then tons what? of white black pepper no. like saxo yeah, like the yeah. really ground dodge stuff yeah the fine stuff yeah and I've still got I've got one in my I regularly just go and buy a little pot of it and um, I won't be told and then it's it's wow. wrong because it there's something about it that just gives me that kind of it's that sense you know? memory yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I love it and in in mashed swede and uh, carrot to go on a roast it's just amazing I, d- I think with, po- with pork particularly it seems yeah. to and chicken it's like one of those things that I don't know it's just yeah because we've got a recipe in here um, these recipes are by Genevieve Taylor by the way who's so talented and, and she actually says um, it's a baked pecorino and white pepper meatballs mm. I mean in these she advises you to use and, and honestly like if you do go and buy white peppercorns and grind them down you will get a, you will get a more kind of perfume yeah, superior yeah. flavour so it is definitely worth and a nice kind of heat it's definitely worth using them um, but she like mixes them into pork meatballs with um, pecorino and they are again they give you that little kind of you know bit of nostalgia so comforting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it just works with the cheesy sort of you know that's cheesiness the Cheese, meatiness pepper. yeah yeah I think we've got a bit of a theme going on here yeah, as yeah. well um, the interesting thing about the feature as well is she doesn't just stick to the savoury recipes we've actually got a couple of sweet recipes so mm. so we were talking about you know black pepper it's um, I think you know in the well, it was probably the 90s, wasn't it, when they started doing black pepper with strawberries, balsamic? Strawberries, and, yeah. Um, strawberries, balsamic, yeah. Uh, black pepper, um, that kind of thing. And then we've got an amazing chocolate gelato, which is the custard is kind of infused with black pepper. Yeah. And that works oh, so that well. That is stunning. One, the, the chocolate recipe, like the actual ice cream recipe itself yeah. is superb. And then the introduction, of the, the introduction of the black pepper, it's like... Think of it like you know how lots of chili works with chocolate, yeah, that sort of heat. That, thing, yeah, yeah, and it, it works exactly the same, yeah. but has well, I was going to say it has a pepperiness, but of course it does because it's black pepper. <laughs> <laughs> That's his main thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, the beautiful thing about it is because um, gelato is kind of milk-based, and you use um, um, it, it's got this really beautiful kind of silky texture. Yeah, yeah. And then you've just got this background because obviously you strain the peppercorns out. This background heat, it just gives you this really lovely kind of warm, silky. It's com- like yeah, it's like yeah. that warming cold at the same yeah. time. It's, it is, yeah, a treat. And we've also got pink peppercorns, which are not like black, black and white peppercorns are related. As in, a white peppercorn is just a black peppercorn that's been dried and had its outer, outer case yeah, t- okay, taken yeah. off. Whereas a pink. Does peppercorn- that mean whenever you have black pepper, you always have white pepper in it anyway? Yes. Okay. Yes. I knew that. <laughs> I'm a cookery writer. I knew that. <laughs> it's just an extra layer, isn't it? Yeah. Which is why chefs yeah, love yeah. black pepper because you have got your white pepper, which is one dimension. And then the outer black layer adds another kind of level mm-hmm. of perfume and yeah. you know, salty to it. Yeah. But um, the pink peppercorn is a completely separate um, plant, mm-hmm. um, which gives you like this really beautiful, like, I mean, apart from the colour, which is stunning bright pink, um, you get a really lovely fruity heat to it. It is so, very citrusy. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and she's used them in a um, pink peppercorn shortbread. Oh, and it works so well. Yeah. I mean, when we were in the test kitchen. We, demol- we, we demolished it. I ate about five before I was yeah, dragged yeah. away from the table I just it, couldn't stop going for it yeah the citrusiness the citrusiness with the lemon in the posset yeah. like worked so well yeah because it's, yeah, it's to go with a, a lemon mousse which is again it, actually if you if you remember like old classic classic old school lemon mousse this like is posset, that yeah. it's absolutely beautiful it's, it's a mousse not posset is it not you keep saying posset <laughs> Maybe that's, that comes from my training of like my old chef training of making posset lemon really posset. Easy. This this is a little bit trickier, and but like it's not it, it, it 
it's definitely achievable to make, but it's like a proper, like set puffy, mousse, yeah. foamy set yeah. mousse. And it really reminds me of like mousses from, from way back, mm -hmm. from the old school. Yeah. Um, so you, but you get this amazing crunchy shortbread to go with it. And the shortbread's kind of sweet and creamy and crunchy, but with the um, pink peppercorns inside, it really kind of like gives you that zing and yeah. it goes really well with the lemon. But yeah, I think... Um, I think this this issue and this feature in particular, so many brilliant ideas that people are going to pick up and, and use. So um, yeah, definitely. do head out and buy our September issue yeah. and, and, you know, start using your pepper a little bit yeah, more yeah. inventively. Utilise it. Yeah. Thanks very much, Adam. Cheers. Thank you to everyone on today's podcast and thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, and of course you did, please do us a cheeky favour and review and rate us and subscribe if you like on iTunes. That means we chart higher and even more lovely listeners like you will get to hear us. Don't forget the new issue of Olive Magazine is out now in all good supermarkets and news agents and you can download it onto your tablet and phone too. Plus there is loads more great content at olivemagazine.com. So I hope you've inspired another week of eating and drinking and we'll see you next week. <laughs>